Welcome to the Youth Group Podcast. My name is Gabe Perez. I'm the youth pastor here at First Prez. And this week we are walking through Habakkuk, or second week at least, uh, walking through Habakkuk, uh, a little bit of the end of chapter 1 all the way through chapter 2, talking about Habakkuk's second reply um, to God, or second complaint to God, and then God's reply as well to that second complaint. But that being said, uh, we did have a few more technical issues this week. Um, had some issues recording the high school lesson, so ended up having to record the middle school lesson, um, and as well had to end up doing um, my own worship here at home to put in the worship for the podcast. And portions of the scripture reading during the lesson uh, kind of got messed up, so um, there'll be parts where I'm interjecting and kind of reading scripture so it's gonna audio is gonna sound a little bit different than whenever I'm teaching to the kids uh, but it's just to fill in the passage that we're going through uh, for you guys to follow along on your own at home but that being said um, I hope you guys are enjoying this and you guys can glean something from it and grow clo- grow closer to the Lord through it all so hope you guys enjoy here for you Praise, Almighty God of love. 
willingly die your innocent life paying the cost counting your status as nothing the king of all kings came to serve washing my feet covering me
ask we can bring to you, Lord. It's more of you, less of us. Lord, because it just shows us all the more how good, perfect, and great you are, Jesus. In my name we pray. Amen. Like I said, um, we kind of had an issue with the high school lesson recording, so we are going to be recording middle school. So buckle up, guys. It's going to be fun. And uh, let's get started. Let, let's pray. Father God, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for the opportunity we get just to gather here um, and just study your word, uh, find out more about a minor prophet in the Bible, um, Habakkuk, and I pray that we would just be able to glean a lot from it and just uh, leave here changed by you. In your mind, name we pray, Jesus. Amen. The points from last week's lesson, because I didn't have my notes or my slides for it, but last week's main notes uh, were, one, that God hears our prayers, um, because obviously, like, He's always listening. Habakkuk cried out to God, and God listened, and he heard our prayers. Two, um, God gives us what we need and not what we want. And we have to remember that just because we ask God for something doesn't mean he's just going to give it to us willy-nilly. He doesn't give us things that are bad for us, but he gives us things that we need, things that we need for our faith and things that we need for our life around here just to benefit each other, benefit others, and also benefit the world for God's glory. And then lastly, we have to remember that our strength is in God and not ourselves. Um, if we look to our own strength and our own power like the Babylonians did or like they were, then things aren't going to go well for us. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. So um, that leads us into this week. So last week um, we talked about the Babylonian or Habakkuk crying out. He's like, hey, we're some righteous people amongst a bunch of unrighteous people. So he's like, we're doing the right thing, but a lot of people around us aren't doing the right thing. God, we need you to fix that. And then God's like, okay, I'm going to send these really sinful people called the Babylonians to come in and right the wrongs. And that's kind of what God says, and that leads us to where we're at right now, which is Habakkuk 1. All right. So, Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them, this is the Babylonians, to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made the people silent while the um, you have made the people like fish in the sea. Sorry, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them with his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet. And so rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? I will stand on my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. So... Basically, this is Habakkuk's second complaint to God. This is his second cry out. And he's basically like, hey, God, you're holy. You're righteous. You don't sin. You don't tolerate sin. And then he says, 
Why are you letting the Babylonians, these evil people, do these evil things then? God, if you're a God of justice, why do these evil people get to keep on doing what they're doing? That's why he's talking about, do they keep on, are they allowed to keep on emptying their nets? Are they allowed to just keep on doing these wrong things that hurt everyone else, that hurt us? And that's kind of, you know, a fair question to ask. Habakkuk's wondering, why does God tolerate evil people doing evil things? And I think all of us can relate to that question because sometimes we see people do evil and wrong things and we're like, what the heck? God, why don't you do something about that? Why isn't that fixed? Why is that still going on? Why are they allowed to do that? And that's really exactly what Habakkuk is feeling in this moment. He's just upset that the Babylonians are going to come through and wipe everybody out. And he's like, what the heck, God? Like, <laughs> we're your people. Why are these other people allowed to keep on doing this? And he's kind of in the idea of, we're your righteous people, we're your chosen people, and yet they're the ones that are going to have the success. They're going to want be the ones that have their nation grown. But it's important to remember that even when we struggle, or even when we have hard questions in our life, that we must bring everything to God. We must bring everything to God. Because... Even if things are hard, and even if these things don't even make sense to us, even if it's something that you might feel weird about asking God, it's important that we go to Him and not hold anything back in our questions from Him. We have to bring everything to Him. Not just the good stuff, and not just the stuff that we want Him to fix, but even the confusing stuff. Some of the stuff that we might even be angry about or confused about. And Habakkuk, in this moment, he's recognizing, he says, God, you are my Lord. You are my rock. You are the one that sustains us. But why is this happening? So it's not that he's dishonoring God at all, but he is going to God with a hard question, knowing that God's the one that has the answers. God's the one that even if it's a hard situation that he doesn't understand why God is doing something the way he's doing it, he still goes to him. He doesn't prevent himself from asking God things and going to him for something. Just because it's a hard question doesn't mean he runs away from God. He actually draws closer to him whenever things are hard. And again, it's a fair question to ask. Why does it seem like evil people and people that cheat or people that lie and people that deceive, why does it seem like those people are always getting ahead? Why can politicians lie and shield and steep from steal from the people but they get to keep on making money and they just keep staying in office why do sometimes cops do terrible things to people and they seem to get away with it why is there crime in certain areas and no one does anything about it why do my friends hurt me why do my families use words that i don't like why are there things that i see in certain areas of our country that I don't like. God, why aren't you doing something about all these things? We can see these issues. We can see these evil that go on. And people are succeeding from it. They're having prosperous lives. They feel like they're doing great. And we look at this and we're like, God, that's not right. What the heck? It's a fair question, right? We've all felt that way. At least some way, one way or another. We've seen evil seeming like it's succeeding. And we wonder... Why is that allowed to happen? And Habakkuk asked this question, but then after asking this hard question to God, 
it says that Habakkuk sits back and waits to see what God says. At the very end of Habakkuk's complaint, it says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. Meaning he says, I'm going to keep my post. I'm going to stay right where I'm at, right where God has me. And I'm going to listen and wait for what God has to say. He not only goes to God with a hard question, he waits to see what God is going to say. He doesn't just throw it out there and then close his ears off. But he says, God, I want to know what you have to say about this. He goes to him and he's willing to listen. He has a humble heart before God because he knows that ultimately God is the one that he needs to turn to in all of this. And that's whenever God starts replying to him. And this is what he says here in Habakkuk 2, 2 through 3. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets, so that the herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of an end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. So the first thing God says after Habakkuk brings it to him, he says, hey, guess what? What I'm about to tell you, write it down. I want you to mark off what I say so that way you can see that what I say is going to come to pass. He's kind of like, hey, bet. Bet right now. <laughs> God's like, you want to see me do something? Bet. Here it is. Write it down. So that way the herald, the person who goes out and tells the people about what God says, he's going to repeat. Habakkuk the prophet says this is what God says. He's repeating the message that God has given him to the people. And he says, I want you to remember this because it's going to happen. And for us as Christians, we also need to remember that we also need to wait on God's timing. We need to wait on God's timing. Because God's timing is perfect. It says in this pattern, that last response, the beginning of what God says, he says, hey, though it linger." Though it may hang there for a little bit. What I'm going to say, it might hang around for a little bit before it actually does anything. Wait for it. Just wait. And then it says, it will not delay. Because it will come to pass. So, when something is delayed, it means it's late, right? It's not on time. If you're delayed, for your, if your flight is delayed, right? You're not taking off when you're supposed to. But God says what he's about to say, what the prophecy he's about to give him, is not going to delay. It says it will come to pass. So even though it might be hanging there and lingering, it might feel like we're just waiting for the ball to drop. God says it's not going to be late. It's not going to delay. Because God is never ahead of time and never behind time. God is always right on time. His timing is perfect. And we need to remember that we need to wait on God's timing in our lives as well. When we bring things to God and we ask him to do something in our life to fix things for us or to give us wisdom or, you know, bless us with his joy or his peace, we need to remember that we have to wait on his timing for that answered prayer. And that he's only going to give us what we need and not what we want. It's important that we are clinging on to and remembering that God's time is better than our time.
So real quick, we had a little bit of an audio interruption. So here is the scripture for this next passage for the podcast. In Habakkuk 2, 4 through 11, it says, See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Indeed, wine betrays him. He is arrogant and never at rest. Because he is as greedy as the grave, and like death is never satisfied, he gathers to himself all the nations, and takes captives all the peoples. Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, Woe to him who piles up stolen goods, and makes himself wealthy by extortion? How long must this go on? Will not your creditors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their creditors, no, then you will become their prey. Because you have plundered many nations, the peoples who are left will plunder you. For you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many people, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Basically, this part after what God says is a huge description of how the Babylonians, all the things that they've done, all the things they're building up against themselves, eventually it's going to come crashing down. Because let's say I'm the Babylonians. I've done wrong against Hannah and Kennedy and Matei and Henry. EJ, Dominic, and Chloe. So I've done wrong against each and every one of you. You guys are your own nation, right? But guess what? There's all of you guys against me. Now it's, I've done wrong against each and every one of you, and each of you have something that I've taken from you. I've built up things for myself by taking away from each of you. That's exactly what the Babylonians have done. And God says here, right here says will not your creditors suddenly arise meaning those that you owe something to those that you have wronged will they not rise up against you because that's exactly what God's saying will happen to the Babylonians so the prophecies that God gives the people are one that the Babylonians are going to come through and they're going to take over the nation as a punishment and this right here is a second prophecy that God gives the people that they are going to also be overthrown that even though he's allowing this wicked nation to come in and prosper for a time God says it's not going to last forever he says I'm going to bring judgment on these people because they are going to have to reap what they've sown and what they have sown is death destruction thievery and manipulation and taking over other nations they have done the wrong thing. Woe to them. You have plotted out the ruin of many people, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out and the beams of the wood will echo it. So we need to remember that God's timing is bigger than ours. And even though there are things that are wrong in the world that we see, God doesn't just let things slide. He allows us to 
have him as a, a way to be encouraged and have a vent and also a, an avenue for wisdom from him. And we can vent to him about these things that we see, people, things that are wrong in our lives. But we have to remember that it's also going to be in God's timing when we pray about things. Just like this prophecy, all those three, like the Babylon's going to come through, he's going to punish them. But then he also gives a third prophecy within all of this because God's vision is he's caring about the long term. He's not caring always about the individual right now, right in this moment. I stubbed my toe. God, please help me. I stubbed my toe. My toe hurts so bad. If God doesn't fix your stub toe in that moment, it's not that he doesn't care, okay? <laughs> but God realizes that your stub toe isn't really going to wreck the world. <laughs> but what God does care about is the salvation of everyone. And he's going to work to make the gospel known to the world. And part of that plan and part of that process that God had was to do with these people as well. And that's the third prophecy that is kind of inserted in the middle of this response to Habakkuk. He says, hey, these evil, wicked people are going to have to face what they've, what they've sown. All right? And in the middle of this, there's a prophecy of the gospel, of the world coming to know the glory of God, that everyone will be able to come to know the glory of God. Prophecy number three is really um, talking about Jesus. If you look here, what God says in the middle of this passage, it says, Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the Lord's, uh, that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire, that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Meaning, God's chosen people, they're not going to be taken away anytime soon. This other nation may come in, take them over, and really mess up their whole nation for a while. But God says, guess what? I have a plan, and you guys are a part of that plan, so nothing's going to overcome my people. You guys are still going to be sustained, because guess what? God said that his Messiah for the world, Jesus Christ, was going to come through the Jewish people, that he was going to use them to bring about salvation for the world. Which is when it talks about here that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the whole earth like the waters of the sea. It's talking about everyone can come to faith in Jesus. Everyone can come to a knowledge of the glory of God through faith in Christ. And so God's promising the people, I'm going to bring this about through you. They're not going to conquer you. Or they will, but it's not going to last forever. I'm going to make things right, and I'm also going to bring about salvation for the world through you guys. And then he goes back, and so we're just going to skip this next thing real quick. Um, we're just going to skip that one. He goes around, um, and basically God's saying, hey, again, these people are going to be put to shame. These people are going to be made a fool because they've been trusting in their own power, in their own might, in their own strength. They think that they're just going to keep on conquering and keep on doing what they're doing. But at the end of the day, they're not going to have the glory. They're going to be made embarrassed by all their actions. And then God finishes off by highlighting the differences between idols and himself. He says, of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman or an image that teaches lies? One who makes it trusts in his own creation. 
He makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life, with a lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? Is it covered with gold and silver? There is no breath in it. The Lord in his holy temple, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Now, this, this is God's kind of final reminder at the end of it. He says, hey, you guys are trusting, or those people are trusting in idols. They're trusting in their strength. They're trusting in these false gods. But guess what? Those false, false gods can't speak to them. Those false gods can't do anything for them. They have no breath in them. They're not alive. They're just material things that they're trusting in. But he's saying, I, the Lord, am alive. He's in his holy temple. He's living. He's active. And it's a reminder to both the people and also to us that God is above all. That God is above all. God's greater than anything we can trust in in this world. If we find our identity in uh, relationships or our family or sports or friends or activities or um, TV shows or technology or games, if we make our identity and who we are and we're trusting in those things for security and those things, I mean, some of those th- I mean, a lot of those things are fun. They're nice to have or nice to interact with, right? But unless we're depending on God and relying on God for who we are and our salvation, we're trusting in God for all that we have, unless we do that, we're going to be left disappointed. We have to remember, just like God's pointing out, that the Babylonians, they had a lot of success. We can do a lot of fun, amazing, and have a really fun life for a while when we're living for ourselves and our desires and putting our identity in things that we think are good. But eventually that's going to leave us empty. Eventually it's going to leave us disappointed because those things aren't God. God alone satisfies our soul. God alone gives us purpose and meaning. And God alone is the one that we should be trusting in. And we need to bring all that we have before him. And we need to wait on his timing because he is above all and he is sovereign in all that we do. So we need to trust in him, remembering and recognizing that his plan and his timing is better than ours. All right? Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you. Um, I thank you that we are um, able just to um, celebrate and recognize how powerful and amazing you are God and and you call us to be humble before you because you are holy and above us all but you also call us to be close to you Lord you remind us not only of your power but of your love and your mercy you remind us of the grace that you have for us you came down in the flesh and lived a sinless life and died and rose again so that we, when we put our trust in you, Jesus, can come to a knowledge of your glory. So Jesus, I pray that we would just be humble before you and depend on you, recognizing that you're greater and above all the things that we can trust in.
and that we should bring all that we have before you, our hurts, our worries, our joys, our celebrations, and Lord, even the hard stuff that we're confused about, the stuff we're angry about, that we would bring everything and lay them at your feet, Jesus. And that when we do that, that we would be patient and wait for what you have, wait for what you are going to do, because your ways are greater than ours. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't delay putting our faith in you, Jesus. If we haven't already trusted you with our life, Lord, we'd ask for that forgiveness because we are all sinners and we all need you. We thank you and we love you, Lord. It's in your mighty and powerful name we pray. Amen. And there you have it, guys. That is this week's lesson on Habakkuk, end of chapter 1 all the way through the end of chapter 2. I hope you guys could enjoy it and i appreciate you guys sticking through everything with this little rough around the edges podcast this week with uh technical difficulties and all kinds of stuff like that but it was a good time um obviously the middle school lesson is a little bit shorter and a little bit quicker but uh, it's good stuff and i hope you guys can just uh be blessed and have a good day